Hello and welcome to HIV Matters Podcast. My name is Michelle Croston and as your host I will be facilitating interesting conversations with leading experts in the field of HIV care. The conversations will be centred around exploring ways to improve quality of life for people living with HIV. Throughout my career I've always had a keen interest in any initiatives to improve outcomes for people living with HIV which has led me to work with a variety of different organisations, with different healthcare professionals and activists. Here at HIV Matters, we hope to use our unique perspectives and platforms to improve knowledge and understanding with regards to HIV. In order to do this, we will engage in conversations with people living with HIV, people who have worked in the HIV sector, and sometimes a mixture of both. We hope you enjoy the episode, and if you have any ideas or questions on this or future episodes, please contact us at hello at hivmatters.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram at hivmatterspodcast, or visit our website at www.hivmatterspodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and comment on our show. Today I'm being joined on the HIV Matters podcast by Sylvia Coretti. Sylvia is Positively UK's CEO, a national charity led and run by people living with HIV. The charity aims to enable people living with HIV to improve their health and quality of life. Sylvia is a strong advocate and believes that in defeating HIV stigma, people living with HIV need to be heard and visible. Among Sylvia's accolades, she has held various roles within the HIV sector. Sylvia is co-author of the She Plus Toolkit, Strong, HIV Positive and Empowered, which aims to support women living with HIV in Europe to deliver peer-centred support. Sylvia is also one of the founding members of the Catwalk for Power project, which uses creative and performance to enable and empower women living with HIV to be heard. Sylvia has worked for many years in HIV care and the sector, and I'm delighted that she's joining us today to share some of these projects, initiatives, and her experiences working in HIV. Today I'm being joined on the HIV Matters podcast by Sylvia Peretti. I'm absolutely delighted that Sylvia has agreed to join me on today's podcast and share with us her great work. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. So Sylvia, I've had the pleasure of listening to you speak at a number of conferences and you always speak with such power, elegance and grace and also underpinned by strong knowledge. Um, And I'm aware that you've been working in the HIV sector for a number of years. I'm just wondering for our listeners, are you able to share with us what drew you to work within this area of care? Uh, Thank you so much for the question. Yes, uh, well, uh, life brought me to work in HIV because uh, in uh, 1997, I was diagnosed HIV positive myself. Uh, At the time, it was uh, February 1997, and um, luckily at the time, medication the combination of medication had just become available but there was no, the internet was not what it is now and there was no i was in italy at the time and uh, i just remember the first year the first couple of years were one of the most difficult times in my life i was so lonely i was so uh, 
ashamed. I was, I just couldn't talk to anyone. There was so much going on in my life as it is, as there is very often for other people with HIV. It wasn't something I was expecting. And uh, I just thought I was going to die. <laughs> and not only die, that, you know, I, I was going to have this horrible illness I could not talk to anyone about. And uh, fast forward a couple of years, I, was, I had a great fortune of moving back to London and that my doctor referred me to a support group of positively women. And for me, entering the room and meeting other women living with HIV was a turning point. I've also had a lot of, there was a lot of great fortune at that point, but I became a volunteer and then I started working for the charity. But it became very evident to me that there was a lot that could be done for someone not to go through the experience I'd gone through, that you know, with support, with uh, with uh, with 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 creating spaces where people can be valued and heard and supported and recognized, especially at the time of diagnosis, people could have a much better experience. And I just promised myself that I didn't want anyone, any other woman in the world, to go through what I went through when I was diagnosed. That I wanted to work to make. A difference and to ensure that yeah that nobody else had to go through what I went through because it was absolutely horrendous. Well thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners today Sylvia and you know the work that you've been doing over the years has been absolutely phenomenal and I'm sure you've impacted well I know you've impacted many of many lives in a very positive way so thank you for everything you've done um, I'm just thinking about kind of you mentioned um, your diagnosis in the, the, the late 90s and now we're kind of four decades on with HIV care has there been anything that stood out for you over the, the years with regards to HIV care that we may have been able to do differently or lessons we may have learned well, I think what is important in the care of people living with HIV, for me, what, what it strikes to me is that very often we just focus on the virus, you know, and especially now, I think we have, you know, the things are going so well for many of us because we've got very good treatments. People, you know, I take one pill a day. The treatment means that uh, the virus is controlled and I cannot pass it on to my sexual partners. I can have babies who are HIV free. So, but there has been so much attachment to this idea that, you know, you take your pills and everything is okay. While I think what we need to understand is that I think that the care that works for us is a care that looks at our whole life, a care that is really holistic and person-centered. Because I think if I didn't have the support that I found uh, in the late 90s, I wouldn't be alive. The, the, the fact that I had the space where I finally could talk about what I was going through that could support me in, in all aspects of my life allowed me to stay well. So I feel that it's really important that we understand that HIV care is not just, obviously treatment is incredibly important and I wouldn't be alive if I didn't have it. But HIV care needs to be much more than just uh, about taking pills. The HIV care needs to be about our lives as a whole. Yeah, I think at HIV Matters, we're very keen to raise that idea that people more than just viruses, as you've mentioned, that medical treatment is important, but actually people are multi beautiful, multifaceted, and it's not just about their kind of underlying medical conditions. Now, I'm aware that you're currently um, CEO of um, Positive UK, and I was wondering if you could share um, a little bit more about kind of the importance of 
the well obviously the organization but in particular peer support because we've kind of touched on that and it kind of feeds into that not just the medical aspect of care yes well uh positively women the organization i work with positively uk uh, came out of positively women it's an organization that was founded by two women living with HIV, Sheila and Janie, in 1987. This year is our 35th anniversary. And um, I'm always very proud to say that also the, the Sheila and Janie, they were, you know, uh, they were very open about their their stories, but they were two women who acquired HIV through injecting drug use. And, um, you know, the, the story goes that, you know, there were no services for women. They start meeting each other, like in each other's bedroom, writing, you know, designing leaflets with their pens. There were no computers, you know, and they started, you know, a support group and the support group grew and they became positively women. And then from positively women, we decided that, in a way, the, the model of uh, having a group where you people with the lived experience of HIV could uh, support each other grew and in this idea of a service that is a service that is peer led and and uh, peer run. So everybody positively UK that does their services is living with HIV. And so I'm very proud always to say that we were started by two women and that we were started by two women uh, who were people who use drugs because very often we have so, so, so many stereotypes about who has power who can make a change who has an influence in our society or who who, who you know who matters and for me it's really important to say that everyone everyone matters and it doesn't matter if you use drugs if you're you know whoever you are people you know, commitment we believe with vision we, we can all make a difference so for me this story is really important and I always want to talk about it. Uh, I feel like, you know, the story of our organization is an example of what so many of us living with HIV have gone through. So in spite of a lot of, you know, so many of us have experienced stigma, so many of us experience rejection and, uh, you know, so many of us come from LGBT communities or migrants or, you know, so we have experienced very often, you know, different kind of marginalization and rejection and difficulties because of, you know, of social circumstances and prejudices. And uh, I think it's really, really important that we recognize that in spite of these, so we, we, you know, we set up our organizations and we have, you know, made life easier for, for our, for uh, people in the same situation as ourselves and others in general. I think, you know, the peer model is really, really important. And um, yeah, I, I, for me, you know, you completely transformed me. I mean, if you saw me the day I walked in positively women, I was like, I just sat in a corner. I was, you know, I was so shy. I was so, you know, I just felt like my life had, you know, I had no future basically, you know, I didn't think I could have a relationship. I didn't think I could, you know, have a job. I just like, I felt like really, I was really, in a you know very shortly my, about my diagnosis i didn't have a lot of hope let's put it that way and and it's just the power of seeing people that are very similar to you they've gone through what you're going through but they're a little bit further along the way and and, and making you know that's that was really powerful for me and i thought like well if she can do it so can i and uh, and then you know slowly just having the support, having the community around you, and um, and then realizing you know if 
the one of the biggest challenges that we had then and we still have now uh, is the stigma and the prejudices around HIV, that you get HIV, you know, because you've done something, you know. So they, they, if I could have, a, you know, five pounds for every time I was asked, <laughs> how did you get HIV? I would be, you know, <laughs> would have a, a nice saving account there. Like, you know, this idea that you've done something to get HIV. And... Uh, yeah, so I think that the peer, the peer model, peer support as well, is really important for people to address stigma, and especially the way that we internalize stigma. And uh, yeah, and that's why for me it was like a moment just felt that the only way that we could uh, that I could address stigma was by speaking up and becoming more open about my status. But if I didn't have the peer support, if I wasn't in that environment where I could see other women that were doing it, I, I don't think I could have ever done it. Thank you. Yeah, and I think, obviously, listening to you and seeing how beneficial that was, it's hard to believe um, that we, in HIV care, we know the importance of peer support. And like you say, being with people who are experiencing similar things. But it, it feels like up until recently, we haven't actually truly articulated the value of peer support. currently involved in rewriting the psychological standards of care with a group of people and the feedback that we've had have been overwhelming about the importance of peer support so the 2011 standards there wasn't a lot of peer support it was kind of an additional you know added thing um, and I'm not saying that we ever thought that was the case but I think it's a reflection of policies at the time so I'm just wondering are you able to share with any of our listeners how you feel kind of peer support has evolved and how you might like to see peer support getting the kind of recognition that it deserves? I think you know peer support is as I said is, is incredibly important for you know it, it transformed my life and, you know, I've been worked at Positively UK for, you know, over 20 years now. I constantly see, you know, what it does to people and, um, you know, it just gives people the belief that they can, you know, they can control their health, they can, talk, you know, they can, they can uh, live well with HIV. And, uh, you know, it has been slowly been recognized and also us as peer supporter, you know, it's now, sometimes peer support, you think, well, what, what do these people do, you know? And I used to say, you say peer support, and people have this uh, vision of, of uh, people in a church hall crying and drinking tea or, you know, or something, you know, this kind of self-pity or, and actually, uh, uh, you know, through the years we have, in a way we have, I don't like this word, but we have professionalized. So all the people that provide peer support in Positive UK have, are trained. They have a good understanding of boundaries, confidentiality, HIV treatment, literacy. So, you know, there is a certain kind of competency that comes with peer support. 
support. I say this because through this, uh, you know, from, from really firming our skills, in a way we've been able as well to be recognized, more recognized within the health system. And for example, Positively UK now has a presence in 16 London clinics and works in a very, very integrated way with the NHS. So peer supporters are also part of the multidisciplinary team meetings and can really, you know, and, there, and I think there's been a real recognition of how much it adds to the care of patients. It also, in a way, makes things simpler for doctors and the, the healthcare team because if the person with HIV is supported as somebody to talk to, they explain things down, you know, breaks things down and explain things, and you know, then the the, the work of the of the clinical team is easier because you know the, there is a lot of stuff that gets that you know, by the peer supporter, especially some of the social staff, but also, you know, breaking down medication in a way that is understandable to, you know, a normal human being. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, you know, I want to say, yeah, peer support has become very uh, professionalized, it's really valued in the NHS, it's, part, it's integrated in the team. The problem, the challenge that we have is that there is still no clarity who should fund it, so, you know, everybody says that it's so essential. Everybody says that, you know, good quality of care includes peer support. They want us in the clinic, but, you know, at the same time, we're still struggling to fund our services. There is no clear kind of commissioning pathway. Who is in, who should, who should fund peer support? And as an NGO, you know, we apply from funding from different sources but it is not sustainable it's very difficult you know to continue a service to uh and for the people providing the service as well the uncertainty of you know not you know not having sustaining funding is is just really harder to manage yeah and that's kind of you know thinking about it and just listening to you know there's overwhelming evidence about the benefits and support of you know peer support um but yet we don't tend to commission for that which seems when we see about the added value that it, it has in in like you say relying on ngos and funding for that with such a valuable service moving forward how would you like to see um peer support incorporated into clinics well, I think it's really important to have peer support incorporated in clinics because uh, sadly, the, you know, most of us are living really well with HIV, but there is still a group of the population that find it really, really hard. We know that, uh, like, I cannot remember exact numbers, but like, I think one in 10 women with HIV have never shared the status with anyone apart from the health team. There is still a lot of people that report stigma in the health services and a lot of people that absolutely would never ever access the support unless it's there where they receive their HIV care. So I think, you know, it's really, really important that we can meet people where they are. So being in the clinic is, um, and, you know, and having clinicians and, and the nurses and the team that support, you know, su you know, introduces us to people, you know, people with HIV who are in the clinic allows us to engage with people that otherwise wouldn't engage. And if, you know, and we have also evidence that when they are supported through peer support, they also stay in care. They are much less likely to disengage. So it's really, really important if we want to, you know, to sustain the good um, the good health of people living with HIV. I also think that it shouldn't be just in the clinic, and especially after two years, you know, the past two years of you know, lockdowns and COVID and social isolation. We have so much demand for, you know, 
community services and uh, and do social creating social spaces an opportunity for people to socialize so the model should mix you know so, you know clinical support with also support in the community because people once they get the confidence then they want to get out <laughs> so yeah uh, i think it's really really important to have both You mentioned um, sort of um, about women living with HIV. So I was just wondering if you'd be able to share with our listeners. Um, so recent, uh, a little bit more about this initiative. Um, so recently, I've been invited to be part of a project at our local NGO, um, which is Catwalk for Power. And I was just wondering if you were able to share more about this project and your involvement with this for our listeners. Uh, well, Catful for Power is a project that is really close to my heart. Actually, the, I think the first seeds <laughs> about the project were planted during a barbecue in my garden. But, you know, we were, you know, we were getting together. It was a summer and it was a few of us, women with HIV and activists. And, uh, and we were, you know, as usual, complaining about, you know, the lack visibility for women living with HIV, the, you know, the fact that very often when we talk about HIV in the UK, still the majority of the people think that this is something that just affects uh, men, gay men, and, you know, there is very, very little visibility for women. And and as well, you know, that some of the challenges that we experience as women that can go from, you know, navigating relationship, becoming a mom, or going through the menopause, or, you know, the you know, sadly, the high level of domestic abuse that women face, you know, there is a lot of issues that are really, really specific to women with HIV, but very often, very rarely we have platforms where to articulate them. So we, we wanted to create a platform for our experiences, but at the same time, we wanted to create a platform that didn't portray us just as victims, which was like, oh, these poor women with HIV, or, you know, <laughs> look at them, feeling sorry for us. We wanted something also that, that kind of celebrated us, that uh, portrayed us in in all our energy, in all our creativity, because, you know, women with HIV have been phenomenal since the beginning of the epidemic. We set up services, we, you know, we did incredible things, but Nobody knows about it. So we said, why don't we do, you know, what can we do? What can we do? We wanted to do something that was a bit public, that was, you know. And so somebody, I don't know who was, but say, let's have, a, you know, let's have a catwalk. Let's have a fashion show. So the idea was to do something that was like almost a celebration of women living with HIV, but also a platform to talk about some of the really, really difficult issues that we talk, that we experience as women. But, and, um, and so, um, and so the project started. We were really lucky to collaborate with some artists from Act Up London, another group of women activists and artists. And uh, we started running, at the beginning, we started running a few workshops like to, to prepare, just to say, you know, how we're going to do it, how we're going to keep safe. There was a lot of discussion about women wearing masks and covering up so that, you know, if they didn't want to be open about their status, we, we talked about so many things. We had workshops around... Um, but I remember one, it was called Our Amazing Bodies, and we would sew, like, body parts, anything you know, from lips to titties to... And it was also an opportunity to talk about women's bodies, pleasure, relationship, intimacy, and creating props for the catwalk. So it was very creative. We did uh, 
poetry. And then we did a famous, the very, very famous or infamous strutting workshop, which were a workshop just about walk, because we we're going to walk in this catwalk. So it was like, oh, Jesus, how are we going to do this? So we had this fantastic trainer, Madame Storm. She was an international dominatrix. She came and, and you know, she was fabulous. And it was like, okay, you know, this is how you do it. But it started like, you know, a strutting workshop, but then it became almost a symbol of how you walk into the world. How would, for me, it was like, how would you walk, walk into the world if you didn't feel the stigma of HIV? How would you walk into the world if you could be fully yourself? How could you walk into the world feeling all the power, all the beauty? So we would just like, that's what we would do. We would say, I am powerful, and then walk the room. I am beautiful walk the room i am here you know taking space and it was just transformative it was just i just saw um, all of us you know and include myself maybe i would have never gone even for the job of ceo had i not done that you know it was just like really an incredible feeling of sisterhood but also having a space in which you know you could you could feel free, you could feel yourself. And, um, and when we had the first catwalk for power, we had created all these masks, all these face masks that people, women were going to wear and um, nobody wore one, every, every single woman. And we had more than 35 women, everybody walked barefaced. And I think that that in itself was just a symbol of how women you know, felt different about themselves. Like they didn't have to hide. They were, you know, they didn't feel ashamed of being HIV positive. And um, and then since then, we then we got funding, proper funding, because this was done on a shoestring, <laughs> and public health England. So we took the catwalk for, for the catwalk for power around the, uh, the UK. We went to Manchester, went to Brighton, we went to Amsterdam to the International AIDS Conference. So it was a fantastic, you know, it was really, really an incredible project. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed, we're going to do a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. It's just a fabulous, um, fabulous mission. And as you're talking, I can't, I'm like the Cheshire Cat, Sylvia. I'm like, my cheeks are grinning. It just sounds like an amazing, amazing project and such a fantastic initiative as well and just so powerful, like you say. So thank you for sharing that with us. And I will definitely um, keep listeners posted of any um, future catwalks or any initiatives um, with regards to this as well. So thank you so much. So we, we've alluded to the fact that um, you've been living with HIV for, for some time now. And I was just wondering if you, and we've talked about a little bit about kind of the medical management of HIV and thinking about holism and the role of peer support. I'm just wondering from your point of view, what do you think the next chapter of HIV care may look like? Well, uh... Uh, the next chapter of HIV care, I think we need to take into account the fact that we are all, there is a, you know, we're all getting old, basically, you know, and uh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's almost like old age for many of us has taken us by surprise because it's, a, I don't know, maybe when you receive a, an HIV diagnosis, all of a sudden you think you have no future. And even, you know, once we had the medication, but it's something like once you go into that place, when you think that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna die, I don't know. I think for many of us, we are still a bit like, oh my God, I'm still alive. I'm 50, <laughs> you know, oh my God. You know, it's just, you're you're not prepared. And, uh, and the reality is that many of us have been taking treatment for a really long time. And, you know, there might be long-term, kind of side effects 
both of living with HIV for a long time and taking treatment and the other stresses that we've had in our life. So I think, you know, the, our care in old age, yeah, potentially can be quite complex because many of us may live with HIV, cardiovascular disease, I know, and, and other issues. I know that for women living with HIV, we found out that, you know, the transition to the menopause and it's quite, it's not easy. I mean, I was like, I remember in my late 40s, I was I started having the first hot flashes and it was like, you know, feeling quite uncomfortable. And, you know, it was almost like becoming a teenager again. I mean, the, 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 the fluctuating hormones, I was feeling like one moment I was on top of the, you know, <laughs> on top of my mood. And another moment I was like completely suicide. I'm not suicide, but, you know, really low, like my mood, mood swings really. And you know, I remember asking, you know, because... Nobody talks about the menopause. And I remember asking a friend, you know, I cannot remember, but I asked somebody, but so this menopause, how much does it last? Six months, a year? And somebody said, no, apparently it can last be, you know, between eight to 10 years. And I was like, good, you know, like, oh my God, 10 years of menopause or perimenopause. I was like, why nobody told me? How could it be that women have to go to such a transition and nobody even tells you? You know, and it's like, you know, there is so much silence. I was just so shocked, you know, to be honest. I thought that the menopause would be like six months max. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so it was it was such a shock. And I think, yeah, you know, since then, I mean, luckily in the past few years, there has been more research. And, you know, and, and actually we are finding out the women living with HIV actually have, you know, can have a much more complicated menopause maybe than women that don't have HIV for so many reasons. And uh, so we, we, you know, we need to be prepared. And I think, you know, yeah, that uh, HIV care needs to take into account how we're going to get hold, how, you know, what are our needs, what they, you know, and also I think the healthcare providers are not maybe the experience as well in supporting people living with HIV getting older, especially women with HIV. I, uh, you know, I remember, I mean, my doctor, bless him, but, you know, he's, you know, I remember he just like, he's look at me, like, like, what about the menopause? What am I going to do? He was like, well, talk to your GP, <laughs> you know, this was doctor. And, uh, you know, my HIV doctor is like, uh, yeah, and, and then you go to your GP and your GP was, is like, oh, well, maybe your medication, you know, so you got into this, you know, back and forth between uh, primary care and your and uh, and and uh, you know and HIV and it's um, and it seemed like nobody was really prepared for us getting older. That's that's what I say. And uh, so yeah, I think the day is going to be really important. Just reflecting, listening to what you've just said, I think as a woman who's getting older myself, you know, I think menopause has been the best kept secret. You know, there's women that have been before us and why have they not mentioned that this is going to really change? You know, it's like the best kept secret, well, the worst kept secret. Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think that luckily, because the generational women are getting the menopause now, I mean, there's been the, you know, the TV programs. I think that finally people are talking about it and that we have been involved in, in a couple of projects, one in, you know, with the Sophia Forum about doing peer research, so women with HIV researching the menopause, doing in, in interviews and focus groups to to find out more about our experiences. And also, we did this uh, a really great project called Bearded and Flushed in uh, in <laughs> together with the NAS and the uh, 4M and other you know women's group. And it's all about creative writing and um, and the menopause. 
and uh, yeah, that was really fun as well. So yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. And I know um, Angelina has mentioned um, that project in the past. Well, definitely again, signpost our listeners to that um, when we have more announcements about that. So with regards to people living longer and ageing with HIV, how would you like to see HIV care change? You mentioned something that I think isn't uncommon for people living with HIV to kind of be in that void where, you know, GP bats back to HIV consultant and vice versa, you seem to be in that middle bit. Um, how would you like to see care change or evolve to help with that? Well, I think that for HIV care to work for us uh, in older age, we need, you know, really well joined up services, very well, good communication between the, the different bits of our care, because we, there is not going to be only, you know, one speciality. And, um, you know, many of us will have to, you know, move between primary care and and different specialists. Uh, and uh, and that's why I think even in, even in that, in having to navigate, you know, um, different different conditions, sometimes uh, having you know good social support and good peer support can help you join up all these bits that you need to keep an eye on. Uh, and um, so I think it would be great if you could have everything like in a kind of one-stop shop, but I doubt that it's going to be like that. I think most of us will have to, you know, go. I know, for example, I got a lot of problems with my eyes. I got glaucoma. I had a detach. And it's like, it's, it becomes so many appointments, you know, and um, and to keep on top of it, it's, it's not easy. So to have access to support, that is, is, is it's really important. And just somebody that nags you, like, have you booked your eye, eye appointment? And I'm like, not yet. <laughs> it's not easy. Like when you have, um, you know, and I think for women, we, we get quite busy. You think like, okay, now I'm 50, I'm going to slow down. Not. <laughs> and so like caring maybe for, um, you know, for parents and children still are not fully grown up. And, you know, it, life seems still quite busy. So... It sounds like there is a real role for that kind of care coordination as well, because I agree when you multiple appointments, it can be a full-time job just trying to navigate systems as well. So I can see a clear role for definitely my profession, nursing, in supporting that coordination of care moving forward. Absolutely, yes. So thank you so much for taking part in the podcast. Now, this is the part of the show where our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And I love this part of the show just as much as I love the other part. Uh, but can you share with our listeners something that you do as part of your self-care? Well, I think there are, there are two very important parts of my self-care. One is my yoga practice. I am, you know, I do yoga every day. I've been doing it for 20 years. And this uh, the first thing I do in the morning sometimes I very often wake up at five so that I can meditate and do my practice and I feel that you know I'm so I wouldn't be as healthy as I am in um, not just physically but spiritually and you know just set me up for the day you know to be grounded to be open to be you know to be who I need to be for my colleagues and you know 
running a small charity is not an easy job. And, uh, and then my second aspect of my self-care is my cats. <laughs> yeah, I love my cats. <laughs> so Sylvia, you're mentoring all my favourite things there. I also um, I love yoga and I've been practising as well and I love that. And cats as well, it sounds an amazing part of self-care. So thank you for sharing that with us as well. Could you also share with us a book that you've been reading? Oh, a book I've been reading. Oh, my God. Well, actually, I read, uh, lately, I have uh, reread this book called Positively Women Living with AIDS. And it's the history of the found. I mean, it's, it has lots of stories of women living with HIV in the 80s, including the story of Sheila, who was the founder of Positively Women. And uh, I found it really moving. And I, and I hope that one day they're going to make a Hollywood movie with Sheila's story because it's incredible. And uh, yeah, so I would recommend anybody to read it. We will definitely pop that in the HIV Matters bookstore. I'm actually looking at behind me. I'm sure I have that book on the shelf because I'll, I'll get that down again because it is a fabulous book. So thanks for the re reminder of that as well. So thank you. We'll definitely put the link in that for our listeners so finally this is a quite a big question to end on um, and again feel free to answer in any way that you choose so if time resources and money weren't an issue what would you like to change or seem done differently it's a huge question but i would like to see much more investment in community spaces i think Yes, the people need to have a... I really miss, possibly, women, we used to have a building and now we just have a small office. And and I just miss having that community, that building, the community space with where people could just come and drop in and, uh, and, and be themselves. So, yeah, I, I just feel that care, healthcare is not just in hospital. Healthcare are are uh, spaces in the community where people can, um, you know, can feel that they belong and can feel that they can have respite from the rest of the world. So, yes, I and, and if I had a magic wand, I would get a building. And also, I don't know, a magic wand. Yeah, I think I'll leave it there. I'll keep it small. <laughs> <laughs> you know that sounds brilliant and I think you're right those shared spaces that sense of belonging where people can go and yeah leave the rest of the world to just take care of itself for a while and have that great community spirit so thank you so much Silver. as always it's been a pleasure I always feel truly inspired after speaking to you so thank you for sharing your time with us and our listeners thank you thank you for the opportunity thank you so much Michelle Thank you to today's guest and to you for listening to this episode of HIV Matters. I don't know if you're anything like me and are busy writing down the lovely book suggestions made in our show. That's why HIV Matters have teamed up with bookshop.org to bring all these fantastic books to you in one unique place. To find out more about this and how to access the bookstore, please check out today's show descriptions. Today's edition of HIV Matters has been brought to you by an unrestricted educational grant from Vive Healthcare and Gilead Sciences. Gilead and Vive have had no input into guests or topics. HIV Matters is the official podcast of the National HIV Nurses Association, 
For more information about the National HIV Nurses Association, head over to www.nivna.org. Thanks again for listening to our show. We hope to see you next time and together we can make a difference.